It's now 11.40. Welcome back to Brunch with me, Noreen Mayer, on this Thursday morning. It's a bit of a treat. We've got the one and the only Sadia Osmani for this week's Chinwag. How are you, Sadia? I'm all right. I thought, well, since I didn't do it Monday, since I was presenting, I thought it's a good opportunity to come in again and see you. I miss thank seeing you, you see, Noreen. Yes, thank you so much as well for doing Monday's show, and, and it's great to see you. And also, this is sort of like our old slot back in the day yes. for the one, two, three show. Yeah, Chinwag that's right. was on a Thursday. That's right. So it's nice to come back. Like, always nice to be in the studio. Um, I'm I'm always kind of choosing subjects which are quite kind of frivolous and, and interesting or whatever. But today it's a bit more of a serious subject I've gone for today. Um, and the reason, I mean, how I choose these subjects for Chinwag is really something that I've probably read. And But I was really shocked to, to read an article recently and it was about euthanasia. And um, and what it was about was that it's about patients, especially in Belgium and Netherlands, you know, they've been allowed to um, be euthanized by approved sort of medical professionals since 2002. And during that year, there were like 1,882 cases in the Netherlands and 24 in Belgium. So now that was 2002. But Whereas we move along, in 2019, there were 6,361 cases in the Netherlands and 2,656 in Belgium. And the two new studies have examined why there's been such an exponential growth in these countries. And it's really quite shocking, you know, that um, what it is, is according to a research team led by public health expert and ethicist, Caspar Raus from the University of Ghent, the control system in Belgium that was intended to stop abuse in the case of euthanasia has failed. Um, and so one reason for this failure is the fact that Euthanasia Act in Belgium has been expanded, right? And now it was originally an act that was there, only, originally only approved for like serious, incurable and unbearable diseases, right? But since then, fatigue has been added and doctors can bypass the law by diagnosing polypathology, Right. What does that mean? And so polypathology refers to lots of complaints associated with old age, such as vision, hearing loss, chronic pain, rheumatism, weakness, etc. Right. And so in 2019, 17.3% of all euthanasia cases in Belgium had polypathology listed. And in 47% of the cases, the patients did not not have a terminal illness so so that's quite sort of a significant thing there and the so it's just sort of getting older well it could just be problems associated with that so so supposedly in 2019 um you know the research team also argued that the mandatory consultation with an independent doctor or two doctors doesn't really provide any real security. Their assessment is not even binding. They say that the treating doctor ultimately decides and can carry out the euthanasia request even if there's a negative assessment from a consulting doctor. So, so one doctor might say, yes, that's absolutely fine. And another one might say, well, uh, you know, I'm not sure about this. I don't think it should happen. But 
Do you, you can, have to get a second opinion? Yeah, then? well, this is what they're because saying. Because a lot before, of the times we have second before, opinion. Before, there had to be two. And then researchers also criticised the State Control Commission, which is supposed to uphold the compliance within law. Instead, the team argues that the commission acts as a shield that prevents problematic cases being transferred to prosecutors, right? And then when you move on, because this was cases in Netherlands and Belgium, if you go to Netherlands, um, between 2013 and 2019, there were 1,605 euthanasia cases with so-called multiple geriatric syndrome, which is MGS, right? And a team of ethicists and health scientists from Utrecht University looked into this and published a study and concluding that suffering in old age is not just due to physical problems. Rather, older people think their life is unbearable when crisis or loneliness makes them question the purpose of their lives. Oh. Which is really... I was absolutely shocked to read this because... It kind of got me really worried because I thought, you know, uh, there are many older people uh, out there. And I think, you know, certainly there should be facilities to be able to support them. They should be able to have a reasonably good quality of life. But if if they're basically looking at their life and thinking, I have no purpose to live now and they can actually opt for something, um it also, I think many people would, and I think yeah. we had this conversation. You know, I, you know, my, my grandma who's eighty nine years old, and she's blind, and and she lives, um, not by herself. She lives with my uncle, and and they have a helper. But all day long, she says to me, and I and I ring her every day, and we chat, and she says, I'm just so bored at home. And every morning, she wakes up, she goes, she has her breakfast, and then she sits around and and she listens to the radio, maybe watch some TV, but not even really. She prefers the radio. Um, and then, and then you know, my mom and my aunt visit her a few times a week, um, and then she just, she just sits around and she maybe talks on the phone sometimes to yeah. people. But yeah. people don't really come and visit because of the pandemic, or yeah. so. And yeah. then she waits until the next day and breakfast and go to goes to sleep. But, but, and the whole time is yeah. that that cycle. You know, you yeah. wake up, you eat, yeah. you go to sleep. You wake yeah. up, you eat, you go to sleep. But I mean, that is that is life, isn't it? I mean, that is one of the. But she's very lucky in in many respects in that she has family. Absolutely. She's got people. She sees her grandchildren. I totally agree. She does that. But there's no reason for her. But to Still be for her able that to she's say, very bored. Yeah, yeah, but boredom is not enough reason to say. I want to just end But it makes you question yeah. the value of your own life. Yeah. Can you imagine being 89 years old? Sure, you, you know, there is joy to hang out with your grandchildren and there's joy. But we're busy with our lives. Yeah, yeah. But you know, that, we see, that's right. Yeah. I mean, it's really, I think this is very much an ethical issue, isn't it, in terms of how you argue it. It's, uh, and you know, in this, the research uh, puts into question the portrayal of euth euthanasia, simply patients taking control of their own deaths. And it suggests that far from, uh, far from free, self-determined death, which the law was supposed to facilitate, older people choose euthanasia because they're just afraid or lonely, which is a very sad thing, like, you know. Um, and so what they're saying is the fundamental question we face as a society is how we respond to suffering at the end of life. You know, do we simply run from it because we're understandably sort of afraid? Or do we seek to meet those with terminal Ill illnesses with care and compassion and love and support? Always trying to make, you know, whatever life they have good. Um, and then I suppose from the policy perspective, the challenge for pro-assisted suicide also 
you know, looks at the, the safeguards that are there at work at the moment to protect people. Because, you know, you'd also, what worries me is that, like, for instance, if there was somebody old who is having a difficult time, perhaps with pain or, or just boredom, as you say, and they may have a certain legacy, they may have a home, they may have, you know, something that will be inherited by their children. I mean, it's a horrible thing to say, isn't it? But you wouldn't want, you don't know the third party want, influence. Yeah, you here. don't You don't want them. Yeah, I, I see where you're coming you know, from. Yeah, where I, some, I, when children might say, listen, mum, listen, dad, I, we really can't look after you. No. We're both working. We're both really busy. And, you know, it might Off be an go. easy, it might be an <laughs> easy option for you just oh, to help no. for this. And actually make our life easy financially, it might just help us as well. I mean, like you know you are not going to say it like yeah. that but those are kind of things that maybe i mean you people don't know people might say that sure yeah. i'm sure you know, there you are don't people who, who you, will, you just yeah. don't know i mean you 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 hope that oh it should definitely case. come from the person and not like influenced by anybody else but sure you know sometimes old people might feel like they're a burden yeah. to to <clears throat> to the family so they might opt for it simply because mm. they don't want to be that bored uh, that that burden that's right and i suppose the other um thing is is that you know where you can open this pandora's box of kind of sister suicide but shouldn't we instead be like investing in more kind of palliative care which looks after the whole patient and their life and and tries to make whatever if they're not in extreme pain mm. if that's not a decision that they've made for themselves that they can try to do this another very interesting thing I read up right was this is from November 2022 it says doctors from Toronto's hospital for sick children have published their policies and procedures for administrating medically assisted suicide to children including scenarios where the parents would not be told until after the child dies this is like for you know we're talking eighteen year olds and under whatever. The article, so then the children express yeah, the, the desire. So the children make the decision that I don't want to live anymore, yeah. and I want to, but I don't want my parents to know about this. This is confidential between you yeah. and me. You know, please sort me out and tell my parents once I'm gone. But I mean that. Is, That's in Canada. Yeah, this wow. is uh, new I didn't laws. Even yeah, I, I'm quite shocked. You know, Canada seems to be very. Um, they seem to have these laws where assisted suicide and stuff concerned. They seem to be changing them. But, but this how is very young does recent. It go to, well, we're you know. talking. It was saying here um, specifically the council is looking at extending the law to patients under 18. So, under 18 psychiatric patients and patients who have said they want assisted suicide before they are rendered incapable by things like Alzheimer's or some other disease, right? Mm. But, you know, uh, I, I'm, I, I think, you know, under 18 is, is very young to be able to make that decision. Mm. Um, but also it's... But the then here in Hong Kong, you only have to be 16 to get married. Yeah, but also the traumatic effect. If your child is there one day and they have already had discussions with a doctor to say, look, I want to do this. You'd want to be a you, part You of want it. to be part of it. Sure. Okay, so their decision. Yeah. But if they say, no, don't tell my parents, only tell my parents once oh, that, I mean, I can't imagine the traumatic effect it would have then for one day to be told that no they've done this so you didn't even get that final moment it, that's been taken away from you but mm. but it's a very um it's a very difficult thing you know and it says, according to the article, if patients under 18 say they do not want their parents involved, doctors and nurses must respect the patient's wishes. And 
uh, based on, say, UK assisted suicide law, at least, you know, there it's illegal under the Suicide Act of 1961 in all parts of the UK. So it doesn't apply to the UK, but this is certainly we're looking at kind of Netherlands and Belgium. But then you say that's a Suicide Act in 1961. Yeah. Those laws were made in 1961. Exactly. But, so but then 60 that doesn't, years ago. That doesn't say that people who are in the UK don't cannot go abroad Travel. like to Switzerland yeah. or, or wherever and you know decide to do this elsewhere yeah I remember watching a, a Channel 4 documentary and people do fly overseas yeah, for, yeah, yeah. For, for but also I mean you'd also like to question if they're saying that the number of deaths that you know from this has increased so substantially over the years then I hate to say it, but, um, you know, obviously this is a, a chat between us and everyone can discuss this. That's in the public domain. But um, to what extent is this a huge business as well? Yeah. Because, you know, these are sort of plush hotel type places which have a package for you, which give you this and that. And then they I'm provide sure the these. cases are assessed accordingly. Yeah. I don't think they're going to, you know, no, I don't they think can't take it willy nilly. Exactly. Yeah, it's not like oh, I'm fed up with my life. But, you know, if you think about general things in your life, if if you were like, for instance, um, it, w the most unfortunate thing I heard yesterday was obviously about this suicide in, in Hong Kong where somebody threw themselves in front of a train. Now, this is a 29-year-old person. When I read that, I was absolutely shocked that, oh, my goodness, this person had their whole life ahead of them, right? So in that one moment of distress or in that one moment of complete, like, abandon where you think your life is just not good at all and it's never going to improve, um, if you make that decision and you just make it and it is easy for you to make it, then um, surely, you know, it has to be something that's got to be considered and talked about. And you have to look at options that may help you instead of making that decision. So that's where I've, I get worried about it to think that, you know, if somebody's in if feeling really down and out, it could be anything. I mean, there are cases, it's very common sometimes when somebody's broken up with their, their wife or their girlfriend or whatever, you know, people, the first thing that they think of is they think, I just want to end my life. I, I can't bear this any longer. So it's a very sad thing, you know, that I think it's about the support mechanism that should be there. Um, instead of the options. And that's why mental health, um, th th we talk about mental health so much because we really want to improve on mental health literacy. Yeah. Um, and, and that's really important. So oh. it's just lots of things to think about. But I think, you know, is to appreciate, uh, you know, I can understand if people are going through intense pain. And then I suppose, you know, the other ethical part of it is that if, part, if people believe, you know, people have faith, people have religion. And then so you would put that in your hand too to think that are you, you know, that would be an argument for them to say that, well, if God has given you this life, it is for him to take it away. And then you have no right to to do it maybe this is but maybe god made these facilities he could have made these facilities to... or he could have decided that you have to go through this but you will maybe get something in return for it or for the pain that you go i we, we don't know but that just opens up a whole new kettle of fish in terms of discussion yeah. but i mean there's a number of things but i think you know it's just highlights it's about for people to you know who are reaching uh, say terminal illnesses and they don't want to suffer anymore yeah and that they want to die in dignity rather than in some hospital 
bed, not surrounded by their family and friends and just not knowing when it's going to happen and suffering, really yeah, and, and suffering. Another part of it is, I suppose, in sure. assisted suicide is this whole thing about when you do have a loved one in the hospital who they're saying is quite terminal and there's not much chance. It's this decision that you make when you say, OK, we don't want to resuscitate this person. Once they get off the ventilator, we want to leave them and let them be. We don't want you to give medication to them. We want you just to leave them, just give them pain relief. So that is another form of sort of assisted suicide where you just let nature take its course, mm. especially if you know that person is going through a lot of pain or they have reached an age where, you know, nothing can put them back to coming back and, and being fit and things like that. So, you know, families make that decision all the time and and decide that no resuscitation. So that is, in a way, a similar sort of thing that you can do. Yeah, I feel like this discussion isn't discussed enough because mm. people don't really like to talk about no, death. Exactly. There's still such a taboo yeah. about it. It's like when I was coming to you and I thought, okay, I'm going to talk about euthanasia today. But I think, you know, these are things that we live with and these are things that we should discuss. I mean, it comes down to even like if you decide that you're going to give up your life, are you going to give your body to science? If there's... You know, if there, if you would are, would you okay, consider that? Yeah, would Saudi, you consider? Yeah. Yes, and absolutely. Would, and, and organ donation, yeah, which is abs- another absolutely. Yeah. So, and I would say that yes, you know, uh, is that something you would consider, or are you just saying no? I just want to take my life. I want to go. I don't really care about anyone else. I would like, but you know, there are many cases where somebody may die, and they say that yes, take everything, take my retina, take my kidney, take my liver, take my heart, and the number of lives you save when you do that is amazing. Like. You know, yeah. so this is all stuff that people don't like to talk about, but it's important that we do talk about it. Why is it? Is is it the same for every culture? Do you find? Yeah, some yeah. cultures I think are very clear about the fact that they feel that no, your body should go as you came and things like that. But I don't. You know, it depends on individuals and cultures. I mean, for instance, in the UK now um, there is an opt-out scheme. So, for instance, if you do not want to give any of your organs or anything, you have to opt out of. It. But if you have not opted out, then automatically those things will be taken from you, which is great in a way because, you know, you can opt out. You yeah. can just say, no, I don't believe in that. But So it's automatic yeah. if one passes you have away to in the out. UK. You have to um, opt out. The, um, the hospitals can, can, can use, use it, if you're If you're fit and able to give organs or wow. do whatever, they can actually do that. In Hong Kong, we've got the, op- we've got the opt-in. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So we have a... We, and lots of countries do that. Yeah. But this is something certainly in the UK that has happened. And and I'm sure, you know, many lives have been saved because of that. Um, and it's and families have to agree. But, you know, it is it is something that's there and it's automatic. So that's quite it, it's good. I mean, you know, I, I personally think it's a good thing to be able to do that. Yeah, well, we should definitely talk about organ donation for, for another chin mic. That's also very interesting uh, indeed. And and definitely uh, here in Hong Kong, you have the opt-in system so you can register and donate your organs because technically when we die, we don't need our organs anymore. So I, I really am pro it. Well, Sadia, thank you so much for You're such welcome. a great chin mic. Really a lot of discussion there. And I look forward to seeing you again next week. Thank, thank you so you. much indeed.